Africa rise and shine Africa zora Africa amka na unai Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa from an African perspective and we're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We're on the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa and on 11925 kHz on the 19 meter band to West Africa as well as DSTV's audio bouquet channel 802. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Anne Musa, Tabisolohoko and Figilelingwati. In our top stories, an Africa rise and shine at the Sawa. Exiled business mogul and DRC presidential hopeful Mwasi Katumbi says he will return to his home country to contest the December polls. And South Africa's President Sil Ramaphosa gives clarity on the way forward for the economic and land redistribution process. In sports news, the Proteas aim to continue with their winning momentum. But first up, the news with Anne Musa. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Moussa. Observers from the European Union, SADC and the African Union are expected to give their report on Zimbabwe's presidential election. This comes as the country waits for the results of the first vote since Robert Mugabe was ousted after 37 years in power. Both contenders, ZANU-PF's president, Emerson Mnangagwa, and the MDC's Nelson Chamisa, have claimed victory in the historic election. So far, ZANU-PF has won 109 constituencies, with the MDC sitting at 41. Zimbabweans have mixed reactions to the results released so far. No, so far the results are okay, but all what we need is jobs. Whether Zanpia for MTC wins, but we want jobs. Nangago promised us he has to do it. He has to fulfill those things. If he doesn't, out. As far as I know, the results are not correct. Zanu PF is taking some results of MDC and put to their party. We are suffering in Zimbabwe. The results are not free and fair. Whatever comes out, it's just that the way it is. We just need uh, prosperity. We just need peace. Zimbabwe's relatively peaceful elections have inspired some opposition leaders in the DRC. Presidential hopeful Moise Katumbi will return to his home country to contest the December polls. According to a recent poll, the former exiled governor of Congo's Copper Ridge Katanga province is the most likely candidate to replace President Joseph Kabila. Since attaining independence from Belgium in 1960, the DRC hasn't had a peaceful transfer of power. Katumbi has appealed to the SADC chairperson Cyril Ramaphosa to encourage President Kabila to leave peacefully. I'm appearing to President Cyril Damaposa, who is the chair, SADC or South Africa, is not going to support any candidate. They are going to support the countries. That's why I'm in, I'm in South Africa today, to say, please support peaceful and inclusive election in the country and peaceful transfer of, uh, of power in our country. We, when you are leaving office, you have, to be, you have to feel good to say, I've done my duty is a party for you to leave to let the other one coming in. 
South African President Cyril Ramaphosa has announced that the ruling ANC will support an amendment to Section 25 of the country's constitution to explicitly expropriate land without compensation. The announcement follows the party's National Executive Committee conference, which ended last night. Ramaphosa addressed the nation on the outcomes of the ruling party's two-day conference. The ANC will through the parliamentary process, finalize a proposed amendment to the Constitution that outlines more clearly the conditions under which expropriation of land without compensation can be effected. The intention of this proposed amendment is to promote redress, advance economic development, increase agricultural production and food security. It will also transform the unjust spatial realities in urban areas. Women across South Africa plan to shut down activities in the country with the hashtag Total Shutdown Movement holding marches in eight of the nine provinces as well as in Lesotho and Namibia. They will march against gender violence and the escalating femicide rate. Last year, 49,445 sexual offences were recorded, according to the South African Police Services Crime Statistics. The Total Shutdown Movement is a collective of women and gender non-conforming people who hope to bring the economy of the country to a halt by calling women and gender non-conforming people to stay away from work. Men have been asked not to attend the march. And finally, the United Nations says nearly 23,000 people fleeing political violence in Nicaragua have sought asylum in neighboring Costa Rica in recent months. Spokesperson for the refugee agency, William Spindler, says Costa Rica is continuing to receive asylum claims at the rate of 200 a day. UNHCR, the UN Refugee Agency, is calling for international solidarity and support for Costa Rica and other countries hosting Nicaraguan refugees and asylum seekers, as thousands of Nicaraguans flee mounting political tensions, violence and serious human rights violations in their country. And that's the news. Headlines at 8.30 Central African Time. The staging of the relative peace elections in Zimbabwe has emboldened some opposition leaders in the DRC. The country's self-imposed exiled business mogul and presidential hopeful Mwasi Katumbi will return to his home country to contest the December polls. Since attaining independence from Belgium in 1960, the DRC, which is Africa's biggest copper producer, hasn't had a peaceful transfer of power. Tsepoikanen caught up with Katumbi in Johannesburg and filed this report. The flamboyant DRC presidential aspirant Muise Katumbi is ready to return from exile and take part in a long-delayed presidential elections. According to a recent poll, the 53-year-old former governor of Congo's copper-rich Katanga province would be the likeliest candidate to replace President Joseph Kabila if he's allowed to compete in elections scheduled for December. Kabila's presidential term was expected to end in November 2016, but the elections have since been postponed after the Electoral Commission cited financial and logistical constraints. Opposition leaders have long accused Kabila, head of state since 2001, of delaying the vote in order to retain power and change the constitution. Katumbi was in 2016 
convicted in absentia for illegally selling a property while two other investigations remain open including allegations that he violated Congo's ban on dual citizenship. Katumbi has denied the allegations describing them as politically motivated. To create uh, his bogus stories, bogus charges to say I've stolen a house which belonged to my brother He's got the title deed intact for 40 years. It's not my house. I never claimed that house. Like enough, there was investigation. They say these are bogus. So I appeal in court. They suspend these things. So I'm going as a free man. I'm going to Congo for election, for a peaceful and the first transfer of, uh, of power in our country. Katumbi has appealed to President Sir Ramaphosa in his capacity as the chairperson of the Southern African Development Community SADC to encourage President Kabila to leave office peacefully. I'm appealing to President Cyril Ramaphosa, who is the chair SADC of South Africa, is not going to support any candidates. They are going to support the countries. That's why I'm in, I'm in South Africa today to say, please support peaceful and inclusive election in the country and peaceful transfer of, uh, of power in our country. We, when you are leaving office, you have, to be, you have to feel good to say, I've done my duty, is a party for you to leave, to let the other one coming in. The former Congolese warlord and vice president John Pierre Bemba is also expected back to the DRC to contest the December polls. This after he was acquitted in May on appeal for war crimes at the International Criminal Court at The Hague in the Netherlands. Katumbi says he welcomes the return of Bemba back to his home country. You know, Bemba must come back. Everyone must come back in the Congo. Bemba got acquitted. So Bemba should go back in the Congo. We need a better Congo for everyone to participate. The guy who's going to win the election is going to become our president. So let's get chances to change our country together. The free and fair election is going to bring peace in our country. Let Mbemba participate on the election. Why today uh, Kabila people are saying, no, Mbemba can't stand, Katumbi can't stand, Katumbi, what and what? This time is not time for fake allegation. This time is a time for reconciliation. The surge of violent conflicts in eastern and central Congo have forced millions to flee to neighboring countries like Uganda and Rwanda. According to the UN aid agencies, more than 5 million people have been driven from their homes. In Johannesburg. The UN Joint Office for Human Rights has called on the Democratic Republic of Congo's authorities to address the situation in the country's prisons. The call by the UN office comes after several human rights organizations describe DRC jails as places where inmates are left to die on a daily basis. Jean-Noël Bamweza reports from Kinshasa. Most of human rights organizations that have paid visits to different prisons believe the situation is almost the same all over the Democratic Republic of Congo. Being here in the capital city Kinshasa or it's where in the other provinces of this country, Inmates are exposed to serious conditions including hunger, malnutrition, no access to health care, lack of water and more. 
The DRC jails are then described as places where inmates are left to die on daily basis and that's the reason why the UN Joint Office for Human Rights has called on authorities here to address the situation for conditions to comply with human rights. According to the UN Joint Office Director here in the Democratic Republic of Congo, what leads to this is the overcrowding of prisons due to a prolonged pretrial detention. Abdelaziz Choi. The prison conditions in DRC are really disastrous and not really compliant with human rights. This is a structural issue that needs to be addressed by the Congolese authorities. I know that the Minister of Justice is trying to do something, but uh, it's a structural issue and a big problem that need definitely to be addressed and we cannot definitely improve prison conditions without looking at carefully the prolonged pretrial detention. More than 70% of the detainees are in pretrial detention which is really problematic. So addressing prison overcrowding must go through the action being taken to reduce the number of uh, pretrial detainees. In the other hand, there are serious problems, issues relating to access to food, access to water, access to health that definitely need to be looked at carefully. And uh, that's the reason why I make uh, a call upon everyone to definitely look at the situation of uh, prison to try to be compliant with the minimum standard. I think it's really important to look at that. And according to this former prisoner who's also a human rights defender, prisons here in the Democratic Republic of Congo are just the places people are waiting for death. Gordon Misabiko has visited more than one prison in different provinces, but he knows very well the situation in the Makala Central Prison here in Kinshasa since it's where he's been jailed for a while. The experience he describes is too bad since he has seen how dead inmates are collected twice a week. The prisons of Congo are places of death. You go there with no chance of getting food. No chance of getting water to drink. They just put people where they are just expecting death. And I'm saying this because I have this experience. I know most of the prisons of Congo, Lubumbashi, Katindo, Prison Central, Bukavu, Prison of Makala and Kinshasa, Detention Place of GLM. I know all those, those places. People die in the prison. When I was in Makala, Every Tuesday and Thursday, a microbus would come to collect dead people, dead bodies, cops. Where I was, I could see every Tuesday and Thursday, the microbus come, people, and go to throw them all to bury them quickly. And it was always in the evening. Prison's situation is terrible in this country. Most of human rights organizations, both local and international, including the UN Joint Office for Human Rights, have always denounced the situation, but no improvement has been reported. Jean-Noël Bamweze for Channel Africa in Kinshasa. Nigeria has stepped up security checks around its waters and land borders to deter the smuggling of arms and contraband product across its borders. About a few weeks ago, a container filled with ammunition was found and seized by customs officers in Niger State, northwest of the country, bordering Benin Republic, while the Navy also arrested a ship and its eight-member crew over illegal deals on its waters. Channel Africa's news correspondent in Lagos, Collins 
Atohengbe reports that the vessels bring in commodities like rice and other household items and smuggle out petroleum products, arms and sometimes recruit more militant activities to Cameroon. Since the increased ultra-violent political activities in western Cameroon and influx of refugees from neighboring countries, Nigeria has maintained extra vigilance to make sure that only legal migrants and asylum seekers are admitted into its territories while warding off any act that could spark war or make it a fertile ground for breeding insurgents or destabilize its neighbors. The vigilance paid off with the arrest of a commissioned vessel for legal transfer of petroleum products but which resorted to illegal deeds which contradicts its purpose for being in Nigeria waters. The vessel MV Ephemina was intercepted by the Nigerian Navy between Delta and Cross River states where it was expected to move petroleum products between two points but was discovered to have been involved in other things which bordered on economic sabotage. The commander of NNS Victory, Rear Admiral Julius Wago, says the ship was closely monitored and arrested for illegal and anti-economic activities within the Nigerian waters and has been handed over to the relevant agencies for prosecution. MV Ephemina was nominated to pick products, do what they call ship-to-ship transfer from somewhere in Delta State to bring the product, AGU to be specific, to a tank farm in uh, Jubilee, Atikorabasi. That operation was supposed to commence on the 19th of April, but Ephemina went on the 17th, picked product from another vessel illegally, so in accordance with the letter regulations and in the discharge of our duties, we call the EFCC that has the mandate to prosecute offenders of uh, illegal oil, uh, oil uh, products to come and take over MV Ephemina and prosecute her according to the according to extant uh, and the laws. Speaking further on the unconventional business of the vessels, Julius Wogu says there were contrabands which a femina brought from the Cameroons to Nigeria. The items included rice, which is part of the items banned in Nigeria on the ships. It took us two and a half days to offload the rice. It was coming from Cameroon. It's a total ban. So what we have done is not out of place. We have only accosted and uh, arrested people involved in economic sabotage. And that's what we have done. And we are going to continue. The issue could not have created any serious concern had it been restricted to commodity smuggling. But the breach of security which its presence could cause, and from experience, the fact that there have been reports of vessels bringing in commodities in exchange for arms, which they take to the Cameroons for the prosecution of war there. The Cross River State Governor, Professor Ben Ayade, says the issue is beyond his purview as state governor, uh, but solicited for national and international intervention. 80% of the issues we are dealing with is a result of the war but just by our boundary, the southern Cameroonian uh, guerrilla warfare, which is basically the Amazonians trying to secede out of uh, Cameroon. And because of that, they come into Nigeria, smuggle goods in, like rice, all the various products they have in Cameroon, bring them in, sell in, acquire arms, recruit our own sons and daughters, send them back to Cameroon to fight, and those people become militarized. That definitely, this is an international issue, completely outside the scope of the governor of the state. To be able to control the situation presented by the activities of smugglers and illegal arms deals, 
a migration expert Osita Osememe says the border should be properly policed to ensure safety and proper application of the protocols and conventions on free movements and trade. People coming in from Niger, from, uh, from uh, Cameroon as a result of war and as a result of uh, economic migrants. The security agencies at the borders are not really living up to expectations. And also, there is no synergy between the internal security and, uh, and the border security. The border is so porous and is a very big challenge. There's nothing wrong if there is free movement of trade, free movement of persons. I, I don't see anything wrong in that. If people are made to be orderly in a country of entry or country of destination, there's nothing wrong. When a, a border is porous and the internal security is also weak, you know, and a lot of things could happen. Arms could be brought in and arms calls could be taken out. So if the protocols are there and the security of a country is properly managed, you know, and they are efficient, I don't think we'll have problem with all these uh, protocols and the, the conventions. The incessant incidents of border infractions resulting in the increased level of arms infiltration in and out of Nigeria raised the security alert as part of efforts to checkmate terrorism both in the entire ECOWAS region and the Gulf of Guinea. This in turn gave birth to intensified checks on seafaring vessels which come into the waters in the affected communities. This development is expected to help reduce the illegal movement of small arms and ammunitions in and out of Nigeria, the ECOWAS, the Lake Chad and the Gulf of Guinea regions, all which are being in their need of peace and total defeat of terrorists' activities and piracy. Recent developments have shown that because of the political uprising in the West English-speaking part of Cameroon, ships used for smuggling bring in items, some of which are prohibited, sell them off in the black market and smuggle arms, petroleum products, and will be militants to the Cameroons. From Lagos, Nigeria, I am Collins Nusa Atohengwe for Channel Africa News. It is you, the people, who are our true heroes. This is one of the most important moments in the life of our country. I stand before you filled with deep pride and joy, pride in the ordinary, humble people of this country. You have shown such a calm, patient determination to reclaim this country as your own from the rooftops, free at last. Channel Africa, celebrating 100 years of Nelson Mandela from an African perspective. South Africa's President Sil Ramaphosa, who is also leader of the ruling African National Congress, last night briefed his country regarding some of the outcomes of a two-day ANC Lekhotla. Lekhotla in is a Setswana name for meeting. He briefed the nation on how the ruling party is planning to deal with the land and economic issue. We thought it was important for the president of the ANC to clearly and unambiguously articulate the position of the organization on two matters that are of critical importance to the economy of our country and the well-being of its people. The first is the implementation of the ANC's resolution on land reform. The second is about the current economic environment. On land reform, the ANC applauds our people from all walks of life, including 
people in the rural areas, farm laborers, the unemployed, the landless, urban residents, farmers, traditional leaders, intellectuals, for expressing their views on this critical matter. Our people have been expressing their views on the land question openly and without any fear or favor. They have been putting forward solutions on how the land question can be resolved. This is the constitutional democracy that we fought for. The ANC reaffirms its position that the Constitution is a mandate for radical transformation both of society and the economy. A proper reading of the Constitution on the property clause enables the state to effect expropriation of land with just and equitable compensation and also expropriation without compensation in the public interest. It has become patently clear that our people want the Constitution to be more explicit about expropriation of land without compensation as demonstrated in the public hearings. There is also a growing body of opinion in our country that the Constitution, as it stands, does not impede expropriation of land without compensation. The ANC Lekhotla reaffirmed its position that a comprehensive land reform program that enables equitable access to land will unlock economic growth by bringing more land in South Africa to full use and enable the productive participation of millions more South Africans in the economy. Accordingly, the ANC will, through the parliamentary process, finalize a proposed amendment to the Constitution that outlines more clearly the conditions under which expropriation of land without compensation can be effected. The intention of this proposed amendment is to promote redress, advance economic development, increase agricultural production and food security. It will also transform the unjust spatial realities in urban areas. To accelerate agrarian reform, the ANC has further directed government to urgently initiate farmer support programs in depressed areas before the first rains this year. This should include supporting farmers with tools, tractors, fertilizers, seeds, extension services, finance and access to key infrastructure. Our economy is facing serious challenges at the moment. The recently released figures on unemployment are quite worrying. Given this economic environment, the Lekhotla directed government to move with urgency to develop and implement a stimulus package to ignite growth in our economy that will lead to the creation of jobs, especially for young people and women. These efforts should focus on rural communities and townships.
This stimulus package will be based on existing budgetary resources and the pursuit of new investments while remaining committed to fiscal prudence. It will comprise, amongst others, on the following. Increased investment in public infrastructure, increased support for entrepreneurship and employment opportunities for the youth and women, as well as small and medium enterprises. Trade support measures for sectors such as sugar products affected by big import surges. Ensure that procurement focuses on localization. Training for unemployed young people with the skills necessary to compete in a rapidly changing economy. As deployees of the ANC in government, we have committed that the work to develop this stimulus should start now to ignite growth, to tackle unemployment, and to mitigate the effects of the rising cost of living. We call on all South Africans to work with us in developing a social compact for economic inclusion, economic growth, and jobs for all. That was South Africa's President Sul Ramaphosa, who is also leader of the ruling African National Congress. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it's one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time. 1,000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C. on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, broadcasting from an African perspective. Our headlines up next with Anne Musa. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musan. The headlines, Zimbabwe's ruling ZANU-PF parties won the majority seats in parliament. The Electoral Commission's results show President Emerson Mnangagwa ZANU-PF picking up 109 seats against 41 for the opposition MDC alliance. At least four soldiers and eight suspected jihadists have been killed in Mali. Military sources say a security patrol was ambushed in the centre of the country. And the hashtag total shutdown movement in South Africa says although men are not welcome to participate in this morning's march, they are encouraged to engage in the nationwide shutdown. Those are the stories making headlines.
Thank you, and it is exactly 8.31 Central African time, and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Now, the hashtag Total Shutdown Movement says its March schedule for today is not open to men because the perpetrators of gender-based violence are mostly men. Women and gender-neutral groups are expected to march across the country to raise awareness on gender-based violence. Mass marches are expected to take place across all nine provinces, while neighboring Lesotho, Botswana and Namibia are also set to hold their own marches. The month of August marks Women's Month in South Africa. For more on this, we are now joined on the line from by Patience Mbani of the Centre for Human Rights at the University of Pretoria. Patience, good morning and thank you so much for joining us on Africa Rise and Shine. Good morning, and thank you very much for having me on your program. Now, patients, let us in on this march, and how you expect for it to go today? You've put out a clarion call that men should not get involved. Take us through that thought process. So this is a, a, a woman's only intersectional march. Uh, the reason why we are marching as women is because we want to speak in our own voices around the kinds of violations that that we face as women. We are saying that men can support us in many, many ways. For example, they can stand in for women who have to be at work today. They can also stay away, stay at home. They can also um, stop having any economic activities on this day. So there are many ways that men can support us if they are also standing with us today and saying no to gender-based violence. But for the, for the march, we are very sure we want women only on the ground to speak for themselves and um, to articulate the kinds of challenges that they face uh, on a daily basis in South Africa. Patients, what's different about this particular march? Now, we've seen many anti-gender-based violence marches um, taking place throughout the year in the country. And, uh, you know, what makes this one different? So what, this makes, what makes this particular march different is that, number one, we are saying this is uh, an intersectional march for women only, so we don't have men participating, but, we, but this is also a spontaneous march coming from the women themselves who are saying, we've had enough. It is high time the government actually pays attention to our plight, but also we've got very specific demands, which we uh, hope to see the government uh, implementing. Some of them have got uh, very immediate uh, results. So we are not going to stop. This will be the first of many such actions that we are going to be doing as women of South Africa because we've had enough. We are dying on a daily basis and, and we can't continue to live like this. So we are, so this is not just going to be a once-off event. This is the first. But we are saying on the first of August, the beginning of Women's March, of Women's Month, we are saying there's nothing happy about, about Women's uh, Month this year and every other year. There's nothing happy. We don't have anything to celebrate. We don't want those happy Women's Day uh, comments this time around. We want action. Now, would this not be in terms of addressing the issue with men and men being excluded? And uh, in the intro, we touch on the fact that uh, generally men are the perpetrators of gender-based violence. Do you think this is enough to, to get the message across to men to say, Stop what 
your, 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 with the violence, stop what you're doing to, to women. And uh, will this be enough? Will this be enough of an eye-opener to say, this is what women are doing, um, but no, you can just watch from the sidelines? So, so one of the key messages that we are driving today is that when we say no, we mean no. So if we say that we want to march as women, that's what we want. And it's high time that people listen to women. If a woman says no, it's a no. Um, That's it. So this is one of the messages that we are trying to drive. We are saying no. We are saying as women, we want to march by ourselves. And, And so we need men to understand what a no means. So that is one of the reasons why we are saying no to men and we expect that they will take heed, they will listen. Uh, because that is some of the challenges that we face as women. We say no all the time, but we still have people forcing themselves on us. And so today we are saying no. Now, very quickly, Patience, uh, in terms of the memorandum that you're going to be handing over to government and the provincial structures, what other demands will be included in this memorandum? So our central demand today is that we want uh, the government uh, to actually hold a women's summit uh, by the end of uh, Women's Month. So before we get to the end of August, we want the government to have hosted a women's uh, summit that will have all key stakeholders where we will deliberate on the problems, the nature of the problems that we are facing and the kinds of solutions that we want to see, but also have a specific timelines about when, what is going to happen uh, so that we can hold each other to account, but also what where the resources are coming from from to, to to implement the things that we are going to agree on. So that is our first call. So we want uh, the president today, before we leave the union building, to actually uh, tell the world that we are going to have this women's uh, summit. So we are not leaving a uh, union building without that commitment from the president. So that's the first thing. The second thing, we also want to hear him speaking very strongly around gender-based violence in the country. We want to see a very firm commitment from government that they also uh, are saying no tolerance to gender-based violence. So, for example, we can't continue to have uh, people holding positions in government who themselves are non-perpetrators of gender-based violence. That's an ambivalent message. So we want those kinds of things to, to, to come to an end. But we also want resourcing uh, of, uh, of uh uh, the, the, the key stakeholders who are working to end gender-based violence. They need resources to be able to implement some of the things that are already in place currently to, 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 to mitigate the impact of violence on women's lives. So we've got uh, 24 demands that we are giving to today uh, in our memorandum, and, and we are hoping that uh, we are going to see a change uh, in terms of ending gender-based violence in South Africa. Our patients, details, where can people get, where can women get more information about the march? What time is it starting today? And, uh, you know, what's the process? Where, where is everyone converging to then move towards um, the union buildings? So if uh, anyone who is able to go, to go online, uh, the best place that they can get the information around where the marches are would be on the total shutdown uh, webpage. So it has uh, information around where all the marches are taking place uh, throughout the country. Uh, but in Pretoria today, we are going to be marching to Union Buildings. Um, and in Cape Town, we are going to be marching to 
Parliament. And then in Bloemfontein, we are marching to the Supreme Court of Appeal. So those are the main marches. Um, but we also have a number of marches that are taking place uh, in, in the different provinces in South Africa. And uh, you, there's also marches taking place in Lesotho, Botswana and Namibia. And uh, are, they, are they going to be doing the same thing in terms of, uh, you know, the, the demands and uh, the memorandum that they're going to be handing over to the government officials? Yes, so they are also standing in solidarity with the women of South Africa. So those are the, the, the formal marches that are going to be taking place, but we've had uh, also um, solidarity messages coming from across the world, um, from Australia, uh, German, and many other places. So we've got a lot of solidarity, but uh, the message is clear. We are all saying to the South African government, we've had enough. We cannot stay like this. We need change, and we need to see immediate change. Patience, what happens if uh, government is not able to deliver on the Women's Summit by the end of August? So if we don't have uh, a Women's Summit, we have a number of, of actions, protest actions, that we've lined up. So we will be doing many, many actions um, in, uh, until we get what we need. So we are not uh, going to go back to business as usual. Uh, if we don't get what we want, we are saying that we are going to shut the country down. We are half the population of this country. We will shut it down. We will do whatever it takes to see a better South Africa for ourselves and for our children. So we, we, we are not going back. The color of today is black, if I understand this correctly. And uh, in terms of people who are not able to join in on the different marches taking place all over the country and the neighboring countries, um, how do they get involved? So we've asked our women uh, to wear black, black to, uh, to signify the morning that we are in, and a touch of red uh, to remember the fallen heroes the women who've lost their lives to gender-based violence. Uh, so we are asking everyone, people who are joining the march, people who are not able to join the march to be in black and white today. But we are also asking those that are not able to join the march to refrain from any economic activities. We don't want people buying anything today. We want the economy to feel the pinch of um, gender-based violence in the country. But we are also asking uh, everyone to stand in solidarity with us today between 1 and 1.30 to observe a moment of silence as we remember uh, all the victims and the survivors of gender-based violence. Patience, thank you so much for joining us and all the best for um, the different marches taking place. And uh, let's hope that uh, government will heed the call and the officials will heed the call of uh, the fact that women are tired of uh, the gender-based violence that is always uh, against women and the killings, the femicides and and, and all of that. And let's hope that today's march and going forward uh, will be an eye-opener to everyone in our country and neighboring countries. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. That's Patience Mbani of the Centre for Human Rights at the University of Pretoria joining us on the line as uh, today is uh, a, mar- there's a, t- it's a hashtag total shutdown, which is a movement and they are marching today um, against uh, perpetrators of gender-based violence and gender-based violence. And uh, generally that is mostly men who are not included in this march and they've been asked to step aside when a woman says no, they mean no.
It is you, the people, who are our true heroes. This is one of the most important moments in the life of our country. I stand before you filled with deep pride and joy, pride in the ordinary, humble people of this country. You have shown such a calm, patient determination to reclaim this country as your own from the rooftops, free at last. Channel Africa, celebrating 100 years of Nelson Mandela from an African perspective. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it was one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1,000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1,000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time. 1,000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C. on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Broadcasting from an African perspective. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja. Informing the world about Africa. It is you, the people, who are our true heroes. This is one of the most important moments in the life of our country. I stand before you filled with deep pride and joy, pride in the ordinary, humble people of this country. You have shown such a calm, patient determination to reclaim this country as your own from the rooftops, free at last. Channel Africa, celebrating 100 years of Nelson Mandela from an African perspective. Our economics update up next with Tavisa Lohoku. Good morning. South African President Cyril Ramaphosa has announced the introduction of a jobs stimulus package which is aimed at beating unemployment in the country. This comes after Stats SA's announcement of yet another increase in the country's unemployment rate. The decision was taken during the ANC National Executive Committee's two-day conference, which ended in the capital Pretoria on Tuesday. Addressing the nation on the outcomes of the conference, Ramaphosa said the program would mainly target rural communities and townships to boost economic growth. 
the Lekotla directed government to move with urgency to develop and implement a stimulus package to ignite growth in our economy that will lead to the creation of jobs, especially for young people and women. These efforts should focus on rural communities and townships. This stimulus package will be based on existing budgetary resources and the pursuit of new investments while remaining committed to fiscal prudence. Namibia's Trade and Industrialization Minister, Cheke Rutwea, says that the government has dismally failed to deliver on industrialization of the country since independence. Dweyer said this at the opening of the annual SADC Industrialization Summit in the capital Ventug on Tuesday. The three-day event aims to provide a platform for information dissemination on the SADC Industrialization Strategy and a roadmap for all stakeholders, including decisions taken on political and security situations in SADC member states and the African Union. South Africa's power utility has warned that there is a strong probability of load shedding later this afternoon. Eskom has implemented Stage 1 rotational load shedding, citing a shortage of capacity. This comes after labor unrest in which workers are demanding higher wages affected power supply. Eskom's deputy spokesperson, Digato Motai. There is industrial action uh, taking place at some of our sites, and this has affected our operations, which is why we have had to alert you yesterday from 5 o'clock until 8 o'clock. We have warned that we may need to load shed this morning. However, at this stage, we haven't had to load shed, but we are saying that there is a high probability of load shedding later today, this evening, in fact, during our evening peak from 5 until 9 o'clock. Sources are close to U.S. President Donald Trump reportedly say he's considering tariffs of up to 25% on $200 billion worth of Chinese imports. The U.S. imposed 25% tariffs on $34 billion of Chinese products last month. The list named more than 60,000 items, including food products, minerals and consumer goods. This new step could escalate the trade dispute between the world's two largest economies. As the BBC's Nicholas Russia reports. This would not be the first time President Trump imposed tariffs on Chinese imports, but the goods targeted now would have a bigger impact on consumers. Mr Trump had previously threatened to levy 10%. Talks between Washington and Beijing have reached a standstill. An increase to 25% might pressure China to return to the negotiating table. Tariffs on $34 billion worth of Chinese goods are already in place and have been reciprocated. Technology giant Apple says although it sold fewer iPhones than expected in its most recent quarter, higher selling prices meant it still beat Wall Street forecasts. The firm says it sold 41.3 million iPhones overall in the three months to end of June, up just 1% from last year. Apple says its iPhone X launched last year remains its most popular iPhone model. Strong revenue growth of 31% from Apple's services business, which includes the App Store, Apple Music and Apple Pay, also boosted its performance. The U.S. dollar trades at 10.4 Botswana Pula. It's at now 93 in Zambia. 
In BRICS currencies, it's trading at 373 Brazilian real, at 62.33 Russian ruble, and at 68.41 Indian rupee. It's at 6.82 Chinese yuan, at 13.14 to the South African rand. It's also trading at 76 pence to the British pound, 85 cents to the euro. Gold is trading at $1,221, platinum $832 an ounce. The price of brand crude oil is at $73.95 a barrel. From an African perspective. Our sports update up next with Figile Lingwati. In our sports update, we begin with football news. Confederation of African Football, CAF, President Ahmed. Ahmed says African football is making strides in its fight against corruption. Issues which he says affect the whole world, not just the continent. Ahmad, speaking at the Kosafa Under-17 final in Mauritius, says Kev has already seen through many reforms to combat corruption since he took over the leadership 16 months ago. I don't like to talk about Afghan because we are here for the Under-17. Give me a question about this tournament. I'm here for that. Next time, come in uh, Cairo, in Sharm el-Sheikh, we have, uh, at this time, we will have a uh, meeting, ex-committee, and Congress, extra, extraordinary Congress. We can talk about everything around the African football. Traveling difficulties have marred South Africa's build-up to the African Athletic Championships in Asaba, Nigeria, that starts today. Issues with the local organizing committee, the LOC, arranging accreditation, police escorted travel and accommodation have made it a trip from hell for South African athletes. Some were still stuck in Lagos after leaving South Africa on Saturday, waiting to be transferred to Asaba. A few of the country's medal contenders will be in a race against time to acclimatize before they line up tomorrow. That's among the stars at the championships in Rikinet Stienkamp, who has been rising in the global 100-meter hurdles ranks this season. And fast bowler Gakhiso Rabada is set to play his 50th ODI the, for South Africa when they face Sri Lanka in the second match of a five-match series in Dambula, Sri Lanka today. Rabada made his debut against Bangladesh in Dakar in 2015, a match in which he famously took a hat-trick and recorded figures of 6 for 16 in 8 overs. And the South African speed star's impressive performances have continued in the three years that have followed. Since his debut, Rabada have taken the most wickets in ODI cricket for the Proteas. I'm just uh, open to learning and um, always uh, not shy to, to try things, put myself under pressure. But at the end of the day, it's just about the basics trying to learn different skills. In boxing news, British former world heavyweight champion Tyson Fury says a deal to fight Dionetay Wilder is almost done. Fury made his return to boxing after a 32-month absence with an easy victory over Sefa Seferi last month. Fury faces Francesco Pianeta on the 18th of August in the second comeback fight after a two-and-a-half-year absence from the, thir- the ring. His promoter, Frank Warren, 
is confident he can get the deal for the 29-year-old Fury to face Jonah Tay Wilder before the end of the year. It could be close. Obviously, Tyson's fighting on the 18th of August. He's got to get through uh, Pianta who he's fighting. Ryan, he comes through that and he's okay. We're quite close to making this happen. That's your sport news this hour. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorba. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Recapping our top stories on Africa, rise and shine at the Sawa. Exiled business mogul and DRC presidential hopeful Mwasi Katumbe says he will return to his home country to contest the December polls. And South Africa's President Sul Ramaphosa gives clarity on the way forward for the economic and land redistribution process. That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine today. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producers Lebu Munamukhulu and Komutso Mopulane, technical producer Revelino Ibrahim and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us.